Hi, welcome to Breaking Bread. This is the show where we explore food through culture, conversations, and a whole lot of curiosity. I'm your host, Lo Yijun, a food writer and recipe developer from the Gin and Tonic blog. And every week on this show, we dive deep into an aspect of food culture in Malaysia, and I bring in some food friends and experts to talk about it. So, it's the first day of the new year. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, the first of January 2020, Happy New Year. And it's actually the start of a new decade too. So, I'm sure for many of us, Within our list of resolutions is a promise to ourselves to try new things this new year and try new experiences for the decade. So on the show today, we are actually talking to someone who does just that, who brings new experiences to Malaysians, to KLites through very unique food and dining events. Right in front of me, we have Arvin Randawa, the CEO of Too Spicy Entertainment, mm. to tell us about the crazy food experiences he's been whipping up in the past years. And he's here to usher in the new year with us too. Welcome on the show today, Arvin. Thank you. Thank you, June, for having me. So... Just as an intro, what do you do and what does a Too Spicy Entertainment do? Right, so our company is, uh, we call ourselves uh, in the business of uh, building experiences, uh, particularly dining experiences. So we create, we research, we bring unique dining experiences to uh, Malaysia, Malaysians and now um, globally. Mm. And I feel like with all these new experiences, it's always very festive right and with it being the new year i'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to all the different experiences that you will bring and also that you have had in the in the past and are still running yeah uh definitely december especially uh november december we Mm -hmm. definitely see a spike in sales Mm -hmm. in all of of our you know dining experiences Mm -hmm. especially there's christmas there's new year and then yeah yeah so tell me about how you first started this Adventure, this <laughs> business of yours. So you started with dining in the dining sky. Dining in the right? sky, yeah. Mm. Um, Tell me about what that is and, okay, and so yeah, how you Before we went into, started doing like food experiences, actually, we came into dining experiences by, um, through, you know, through an accident. What happened was we were actually in the business of doing concerts uh, many years ago. And then, you know, there was a shift in industry and regulations by the government, and concerts were suddenly not a big business to do anymore and so we shifted our our focus and our business to do we know we will like experiences we know we like to bring entertainment to people um so what could we do and we know malaysians love eating and that's where you know dining in the sky was in the picture so we say hey you know what let's do this and we were the first in um the whole of southeast asia to bring dining in the sky which is a franchise from belgium to to bring it to this side of uh, the world and that's that's what it was and it was a massive success uh, we sold out the whole month in 48 hours. Uh, from wow. The, yeah, thank you. <laughs> from the moment we launched it, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, there, there is a market for this, you know. And um, the, the rest, as they say, is history. We started one product after another, but they were all dining experiences. Mm. And basically for, for listeners who's never heard of Dining in the Sky before, can you explain what, what it is about? First of all, I'm very upset with these listeners because they've not heard of Dining <laughs> in the Sky. <laughs> We've been around for four years and uh, we spent a lot of marketing money. So you guys better have heard about us. So yeah, anyway, so Dining in the Sky is, uh, as it says, you're dining in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a dining experience where you are suspended uh, 150 
feet, 150 feet, which is about 50 meters up in the sky. And um, they, there are no walls around you. There's just you, the table, the food, the chef, the music and your friends. And uh, there's a small platform on which you can put your feet. But that's that. And then you're suspended. You're but, eating but, your food. But you're strapped in, right? Oh, for yes, safety. definitely. Okay. For safety purposes. <laughs> you know, we might look into something in the future where you're not strapped ah. in. But, <laughs> but right now, for now, because of safety, of course, yeah, you're strapped in. And uh, it's super safe. Uh, and it's so amazing because you're up in the sky. You're enjoying your food. At the same time, you're enjoying the beautiful uh, scenery of you around it, which is something you would not be able to experience if you're just standing and looking out of a window, no matter how high you are. Mm. And after you set up this Dining in the Sky and after it was a huge success, as you say, you then went on to set up your second project, which was Plain in, in this, the City. That's right. Right now, this one was very different from Dining in the Sky because it's not something, not a franchise that you brought over from, from Belgium. Right? It's something that you kind of created in your head and brought to life. That's true. Mm. So you're very proud of uh, Plain in the City because this is a, a Malaysian product. This is a uniquely too spicy product. We built it from scratch, like really. I mean, we didn't build the plane from scratch. They, we bought an old plane, which was in pretty bad condition. And then, uh, like and retrofitted it out with We transformed it. That's yeah. right. Uh, not, we, we, we actually had to do a lot of work, like really, you know, restor- restorative work and uh, restructuring work and things like that. We had to cut it in Subang Airport. We had to <laughs> transport it in the middle of the night where everybody was sleeping because, you know, it's not easy to bring a plane on the on a highway and uh, bring it to KL, Jalan Bukit Bintang, which is the busiest road in the country. And uh, to bring it there in the middle of the night and then we have to reconstruct it and build it into what it was today. So it was quite funny because there were a lot of like, uh, you know, a lot of people who, who, who work around Bukit Bintang. So they went home from work and driving past Bukit Bintang with nothing happening. And the next morning they come to work and there's a plane in the middle of <laughs> this car park lot around their office buildings. And pictures were going viral on Twitter and on Instagram and say like, hey, I think, you know, there's a plane that landed in my out in front of my office last night. And there were some people like, oh, you know, is this MH370? And, you know, there were all these, there were all these weird speculations that were going on. And we thought like that, hey, that this is good marketing for us. Right, yeah. yeah. But how did that idea first come about though? Because it's not a... I don't know. It seems like quite a wild idea. <laughs> Were you the one who, who thought of the idea? Yeah. So what happened was um, we, you know, we, we, we were doing dinner in the sky and a lot of people who used to come for dinner in the sky, they will, they will pass remarks like, um, oh, wow, this is just like being in a plane. But, you know, but there are no walls. It's just like, you know, I feel like I'm in a plane up in the sky and I'm eating. Yeah, it feels like a plane. And the wood plane kept, you know, playing in my mind. And then here comes, uh, you know, my, 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 my colleagues uh, and they were saying, let's do something different and this and that. And that's something, you know what, guys, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's buy a plane. And you know, <laughs> naturally, everybody looked at me in the, you know, in the meeting room and we were brainstorming, you know, on what to do next. And they would look at me like, OK, you know, he's gone berserk. You know, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, I'm serious. Let's buy a plane. And, uh, you know, and if we can dine in, you know, up in the sky, just like a plane. Imagine like we actually do a dining experience in a plane. Mm. So we always, I always tell people the good thing, we are the only place uh, in Malaysia or in the world where our plane doesn't fly, but our dinner table does. You know, in the sky. <laughs> True, okay. right, yeah. right. Okay, so I'm sure the food in plane in the, plane in the city isn't 
the plain same food? as plain food, right? No, no, yeah, of because not. plain food is known as like very bland, correct? And you're correct. like strapped onto a seat. It's very uncomfortable trying to dine with like people, correct? Like, elbowing each other. That's true. Mm. So we were actually going uh, exactly. Um, we wanted to change the perception of of people that um, hey, eating in a plane could be fun, you know. And a lot of people, I think, um, it's it's a dream, it's a goal to sort of um, one day enter a private jet of sorts you know, or enter a private jet or eat inside a private jet or to know how it feels like to, to, to be in a private jet. So what we did was we, we a combination of a private jet and at the same time a restaurant and at the same time because we are uniquely ex- we are experienced experts. So we combined the three elements together and we created, we don't call it a restaurant. We always say we are the first aircraft dining experience in Malaysia. We are not a restaurant. We are not a plain restaurant because it's not just about the food. The food plays obviously a big, big role simply because, uh, I mean, unless dinner in the sky, if you don't enjoy the food, you can just look around you and talk to the <laughs> chef. But here you're in the plane, you're sitting, the plane is not flying. So obviously the food has to be good. Mm. You know, so we, we definitely put a lot, of, a lot of effort and, uh, you know, a lot of focus on the food to make sure it's a, it's a uniquely fine dining experience in a private jet of sorts and, uh, you know, in a plane. At the same time, you get to do things like you walk on the wings of the plane, which is something you'll never be able to do, even on a private jet. <laughs> maybe if, if you know if if the owner allows you, walk on the wings, go into a cockpit, you know, and uh, sit on the engine and mm. take these amazing pictures. So talk to me about some of the food that you serve here, because as a as someone who cooks mm-hmm. and eats. Wow. Uh, when I go to experiences like these, I mm-hmm. want the food to, to taste good, right? You know, sure, the ambience, the environment is nice, but right. I want the food to taste really good. So, so how did you go about planning the menu, the different kinds of sets and flavours that you have? Okay, so that's a good question because a lot of our you know, products, and this applies not just for um, playing in the city, even for dinner in the sky and um, the other products that we have, so being a uniquely uh, Malaysian company, we were very proud of uh, wanting to feature the local food. However, we, were, we needed to be careful because when it comes to, to local food, like nasi lemak, you know, a nasi lemak can taste different in 10 different shops that you go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, the local food, because of the spices and because of the, you know, uh, the, the authenticity that's related to it, it, it could be really good or really bad. And also the local food might not appease to the international market. Where else we were in the businesses, uh, our target market when the events were planned were at least 50% local and 50% international. We wanted to also be known as a tourist attraction. And because of that, we, we decided to go for a, a, an international menu a Western menu of sorts or fusion uh, international because uh, as much as we want to feature Malaysian food, we just felt an international menu would be a safer bet. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's less likely a chance of someone to complain about their chicken chop than they are to complain about their nasi lama. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. No, yeah. that's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, so our food to answer your question is, um, that's the thought process that goes behind it to make it international, to make sure it appeases the international and local market. And number three is very Western. It's very international mm. fusion. We oh. have that. Yeah, so, but do you serve them on like carts, you know, the push carts that uh, uh, on the plane that you generally see? Okay, no, not on the push carts. It's because <laughs> it's a private jet. We have butlers who actually oh, carry them, well, you know, by hand and you're served one by one uh, mm. and they bring this food and they serve, serve it to you. 
that's how it does. Cool. Yeah, so I think this is a quite a unique experience out there Thank in you. Malaysia. And yeah, in the world as well. Was it the first um, in the world, would you say? Well, um, as much research as we have done, um, there are other airplane um, restaurants around the world. We are not the first one. Uh, we are not the first. If you want to look at it in the, in the business of the airplane restaurant perspective, we are not. There's, um, there's one in India. There's one in China. You know, there's a few. Um, however, if you want to look at the fact that we have con- we have we are selling tickets in the sense it's a dining experience. As much research that we have done, we are pretty much the only one uh, or the first one in the world that have um, used use the, the dining experience, aircraft dining experience uh, format. Mm, cool. Yeah. So I think it's very apt for people to experience it over the New Year, I think. They should. Mm. Their first flight this year should be at KL <laughs> in <Cool>. Bukit Bintang. <laughs> I have a tiny tough question for you. Alright, <laughs> how tough is this? No, <laughs> yeah, so I have, uh, I guess, a few friends who've been to some of these events and a lot of the feedback that I get is like the experience itself is, is generally like very unique and very good. But it always seems like, as you say, the first six months of it, it mm-hmm. goes really well. Mm-hmm. But after that, a lot of people seem to find that, oh, this is not something that I would like to repeat because it, sometimes people even call it like slightly gimmicky almost. Mm-hmm. How do you go about like tackling that and changing people's perceptions of these events? Correct. Um, yeah, you're right when you said a lot of people call it gimmicky, uh, but we use the word gimmicky positively. We say, yes, we are a gimmick and that's what makes us exciting. Mm. And because we are a gimmick, uh, you know, people will come back to us again for special occasions. Uh, you are right to point out that there are not many repeat clients uh, in terms of percentage that's pretty low when we did our data analysis. Uh, we don't get many repeat clients. The ones that we are getting are people or guests who have been for experiences who have guests from abroad and they want to show them. So I have mm. a lot of people like coming for Dining in the Sky and they're like, oh, my, when I landed in Malaysia, I landed in KL, they say like, hey, the first thing you must do is see KL from the sky and you must do this Dining in the Sky thing. Mm, and, right. you know, so you might not have repeat customers per se, but we have these customers who are advocating or speaking on, on behalf of us and promoting our products to, to their friends outside. How are we tackling this is by revamping our current products. We come up with new episodes. We change the food menu. So some people might have done Dining in the Sky once, but then they might come back because we have changed the menu. Or during uh, Valentine's, for example, we actually do candlelight dinner in the sky. So the table looks different. To a certain point, we try to, to, we try to revamp the experience so that you can come back again. Mm. That's number one. That's what we do. Uh, number two is by changing the business direction. For example, as I mentioned, plane in the city, we are looking at also, hey, we have this amazing plane. A lot of people would love to throw a party in the plane. And so instead of just focusing on dining experiences, we are now looking at opening the plane for events as well. Do your engagement there. Do your birthday party there. Things like that. So this way, you know, we are opening a different market we a different business direction for our products. Mm, yeah, and I think yeah, it seems like especially for people who are you know not in the hub of your events like in KL per se, when mm-hmm. they come in, when they fly in, or when they travel in from outside, That's yeah, right. these are experiences that they've never tried before, right? and they want to do that. Okay, we are now going to take a quick break. I've been speaking with Arvin Randawa from Too Spicy Entertainment. <laughs> Welcome back to a special New Year's episode of Breaking Bread. I'm Jun and I've been speaking with Arvin Randawa, the CEO of Too Spicy Entertainment. 
Since it's the new year and a new decade as well, we've been talking about new dining experiences that Arvin has been setting up and will continue setting up all over KL. So before the break, we were talking about some of the experiences that you currently have, right? Like uh, dining in the sky and the plane in the city. But there's also two other kind of related experiences that you have, which Mm -hmm. is Le Petit Chef and Whimsy. And I think this is quite an interesting one because it's all about projection, right? Like using technology to change the way we experience food. So can you talk to me about how, uh, what the experience is? Um, so like Dinner in the Sky and Plane in the City, I think they're a bit more traditional uh, in terms of the format of the experience. Uh, but yes, Lee Petit Chef and Whimsy are more modern versions of our dining experience. When I say modern, because there's a lot of use of technology, uh, especially the, the 3D projection mapping uh, technology that we are using for both of these products. Um, Le Petit Chef, for example, the current product that we are running is called Le Petit Chef Dash Marco Polo. It's uh, basically it's uh, episode two of the Le Petit Chef's adventure. It's, it's it's a different content, but it's still under the Le Petit umbrella, Le Petit mm. Chef umbrella. So um, Le Petit Chef is a small chef projected onto your table who takes you on this adventure. And um, as you go along his adventure, where he travels across uh, five countries, and uh, as he does that, you are given food from these five countries. And, and it's so exciting because when the food is presented to you, uh, the food is presented, whether it's the utensils or uh, cutleries or the way it's, it's served to you or the music, it is as, that, as, as, as you would be in that country. It is in team, in line with that country. Mm. So you feel like by the time you're done with Le Petit Chef Marco Polo, you feel like you have in a way traveled to five different countries and tried different food in, in the five different countries. Mm. And sitting in one place and experiencing that, that's amazing. Yeah, I I haven't personally been to these like projection mapping dinners before, okay. but uh, I've seen videos of it. Okay. And uh, I remember this one scene, I think it was a Le Petit Chef one, okay. but I don't know whether it was the first chapter or the second Marco Polo one. Okay. Um, but there was a, was it a creme brulee, I think? Correct. Where basically there is like a image projected on your plate, right? Mm-hmm. Of this small chef going around, making the custard, Correct. pouring it in and Correct. then putting the sugar and torching it. Correct. And cracking it open. Correct. So it was, yeah, it, it looked like really, really fun, right? And then mm-hmm. at the end, there was like a real creme brulee that was brought to you and put over Correct. It, so, right? so that's Liberty Chef 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, so what, what happens is the small chef, you know, prepares, uh, in, in, in not in reality, he prepares your food for you. And then whatever he has just prepared is now served to you. Mm. So it's like your projection mapping coming to life. Right. So in this uh, second episode, second chapter, Mm -hmm. what were some of the new things that you've implemented in there? So what we have done is, number one, we've added a host. So as you're eating, there's actually a host uh, talking to you, um, you know, presenting each meal to you, right, uh, and bringing you along this journey. And this is like a virtual. Uh, oh, host no, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> this right. is an actual host. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not projected. <laughs> oh, I thought it's like. A- <laughs> I know, I know. So yeah, so we this one we have an actual host, a person uh, who's there and talking to you and br- br- bringing you along. I think the second thing uh, that you you have is uh, this time there's more use of props 
uh, in terms of utensils and all that. And uh, another thing is there's a lot of engagement this time. So we actually get the people, you know, the, the guests who are, who are there for the dining experience. Like they have to do certain things. For example, they have to prepare their, their dessert. You know, we'll give them dry ice and we say, okay, now you have to put it in, you know, your, your, your bowl. And uh, then, you know, there's obviously uh, smoke everywhere. And then uh, through that, then we'll, we'll pour the dessert there's another small uh, cup in the middle and then we pour their dessert in. So it, it feels like they're part of the experience. It's engaging and it's like they play the role in preparing their food as well along with the Lee Petit Chef. Mm. Yeah. Mm, sounds like fun. It is, it is. <laughs> so, so yeah, all these experiences are very, very different, right? It is. Um, and I'm sure it's not something that's easy to set up, especially since because the experiences are different, it's almost like a learning process again. And you have for the Le Petit Chef, you have technology to deal with That's and right. the different struggles that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit about how you went about setting these up and what the largest challenges have been. Wow, that's an interesting question. See, uh, honestly, June, uh, different products of ours, we faced uh, different kind of challenges because they are, you know, although they're all dining experiences, but as you have highlighted, they're all different. Yeah. You know, one's using projector, one's using a plane, one you're up in the sky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, for the plane one, you said it was like a real that experience was, to yeah. like bring the plane in from the Subang airport, That's true. cut it up and bring it to the city, right? That's right. For the plane, I think our <laughs> biggest challenge was an operational perspective. That's what it was. Um, I think for our projection mapping, it was more of uh, getting, you know, getting the right projectors, uh, getting the right visual, getting the right lighting, getting the right temperature. So I think one of the biggest challenges to answer your question that we face, uh, which could be a general uh, challenge we face with all our dining experience, is keeping, you know, the right temperature which works well for the food and also for the guest. Mm. To give you an idea, um, like Le Petit Chef, for example, we are serving 36 people at one time. So, you know, the team is behind the kitchen. They're preparing 30, the food for 36 people. Now they're serving all 36 people at one time. And in the process of doing that from a hot kitchen to a cool room, the temperature might change. So that would be one of our biggest challenges to always make sure because timing is so important. Yeah. We have to say, okay, like for example, in that scene, uh, the chef has just landed in Arab and uh, he has just, you know, he's done his he's done his scene in the Arab, you know, the Arab uh, p- part of the experience and he leaves, it's, that's when the food comes. Yeah, you that's, have to almost like time it by the second. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that's where, so these are kind of challenges we face. It's, it's almost like doing a Broadway show. Mm, it is. True. Like, yeah. you know, your, your dialogues have to match the background music and everything has to match so that's I think one of our challenges to make sure the timing is right and to, to quickly run and you know yeah mm, cool and how's the response been actually by Malaysians really good um, as every other um, attractions uh, when you newly started it's crazy our first few months every product that we bring in the first few months are always a sold out uh, so we've been really good with that our challenges always start after like six months or so mm. you know then like how to to sustain uh, the business or the experiences so luckily for us I think um, eating out or dining out and also social media has helped uh, tackle that see because of the uniqueness of our experience what happens is a lot of people actually come to 
experience our product during special occasions. So I'm talking right. about uh, your birthdays. I'm talking about your wedding anniversaries. I'm talking about your, you know, your grandma cat's, uh, you know, divorce uh, anniversary. <laughs> all the or New whatever. Year's, right? All yeah. the New Year's, exactly. <laughs> there you go. All the New Year's. So all these exciting, exciting, um, you know, uh, special moments. So we, we, we see that happening a lot. We see a lot of people coming to us and doing uh, proposals, you know. Uh, and I'll tell you one story. Um, we've... I mean, actually, we've had a lot of proposals at our experiences, but the one I will always say is a hundred percent success rate is dinner in the sky. Because when you're up in the sky, they can't escape, is it? She's not. She she cannot go anywhere. Why? She's there in the sky with you. She will hundred percent say yes. And you know what? We will not go down until she say yes. So what? there you go. <laughs> what? That's putting unnecessary pressure. No, I feel. no, no. It just, it just, it's just that. Uh, funnily enough, it's been a hundred percent success rate in our proposal. So yeah. So that's what we see, and uh, because of that, the response is always good, mm. and we also. Have a lot of corporate clients who do a lot of things with us uh, to reward their you know their, their customers or to do their you know office and department day out Christmas parties things like that mm. yeah. and for this year this new year this new decade actually mm-hmm. you told me before that there was something there's something new happening with Too Spicy, right? You guys are venturing into new territories with this like 3E thing. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. So our plans, uh, the three E's they are th- that we are working around with for next year or, you know, 2020, which is such an exciting year. The, the, I mean, the year itself is 2020, right? So many marketing potentials there. Is uh, three E's, explore, enhance and expand. So explore is uh, what we're doing when, we, when I say explore, we're exploring new products. We've, we've done great five products so far in Malaysia. We want to bring, we are in the process of exploring new experiences, mainly dining experiences. We want to explore those and want to bring more exciting things to Malaysia. Uh, number two is enhance. We want to enhance our current products. For example, like a Lee Petit Chef, there was a episode one, there was currently there's episode two, and we are working on episode three. Mm. So what happens next? You know, so people can keep coming and learning more about his adventures and going, trying new food with the Lee Petit Chef. And, uh, and for the plane, we are actually tra- uh, looking at transforming it into an event venue and changing the whole layout inside so that people can now do birthday parties and uh, bachelor night or things like that as well. Uh, so that's under enhance, enhancing our current product, uh, exploring new products. And number three is expand. So uh, we are expanding. We are so proud to say that a lot of our products that we have done locally are now being uh, you know, exported. Uh, to uh, a lot of countries, uh, especially around the region. For example, like Lipati, right now, Lipati Chef, right now we're running it in Bangkok, Beirut, Doha, Jakarta, Mumbai, Muscat, Phuket, Saigon, Singapore. And mm. it's just growing. Yeah. So we are we are not limiting ourselves. We as we are expanding and thanks to social media, internet, as people come for experiences here, the tourists, they come and they take pictures. We are also getting a lot of uh, inquiries from all these other countries mm. who would like to do things with us. Mm, so cool. it, we we will not limit it to only Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Um, well, all the best with your your future projects. Thank you. And just to end, mm-hmm. uh, where can people find out about your events and hear about news of what you're setting up next? Okay, so that would be through our Facebook. You can follow us on Two Spicy Entertainment, and also on uh, on Elements Elements Kuala Lumpur. These are two of our Facebook, uh, um, you know, social media pages. Or you can go to our website to buy tickets, which is at twospicy.com.my or elements.my. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Arvin. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. (laughs) 
that's all we have for this week's show. To listen to more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or visit our website at www.bfm.mine. And as usual, for fun recipes and funky food writing, visit my blog at junantonic.com. That's J-U-N-A-N-T-O-N-I-C.com. I'm Jun. Happy New Year to all you listeners. This is Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9.